the best compliment I could pay to Bubakari Kamara is that he is the football equivalent of Dua Lipa dancing on clothes. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Wrapped in his favourite winter coat, standing stiff, not against the cold, but against the mountain leads pressure, and now against the angst of a linesman's flag. Unai Emery, with his hair oiled and slick again, to contrast the bushy shampoo and conditioned look from Thursday's press conference, <laughs> finally allowed himself a release. He let go. He screamed. He belted both arms into the air over and over as his puffy, gorgeous coat bounced up and down and for once it was clear Villa have the very man in the very right place to stop the chronic bouncing up and down of this team on the outside the coat might look like it's bouncing it might even take different shapes and it might get beaten against the weather but underneath underneath it's always warm underneath underneath it always has Unai Emery and no matter how bad some people might think that coat looks it's always functional it's always worn by the right man welcome aboard Liam you're gonna you're gonna have to start talking about something else there to get me involved in this podcast maybe. <laughs> did you I don't want to say enjoy I feel like that would be a wrong term to use for that game but do you enjoy the fact that Aston Villa have a really good manager in charge. And they've, <laughs> they've won four out of their first six Premier League games and drawn one and lost one. Absolutely incredible numbers. Absolutely incredible that we've got a manager of the pedigree of Unai Emery. But it was such a strange game. It was it was described by by Neville as like watching a, a lightweight versus a middleweight. It was about the only thing he got right in commentary or in the, <laughs> in the last 10 years, actually. It's essentially, what he was saying was Leeds... Leeds are well coached, really aggressive, but their players are shit. And, and despite <laughs> despite not being not being as nimble as dynamic, we had we had a knockout punch in our gloves all game. But like, I'm I'm not sure if it was our performance or or Leeds's jersey. But I felt like getting sick during that first half, and I was and I was gagging quite a bit during the second half as well. I mean, I've played I've played football too many times to not feel nauseous watching that you know that feeling when the ball comes off your foot and you've pulled a pass it's behind your teammate or you know and you're knackered as well and that feeling when when you're running at full speed and the ball is just behind your trailing leg or that that feeling when you feel Liam see Liam Cooper's face it's a stomach churning <laughs> Unai Emery said we were better in the second half he's not wrong but that's not a compliment <laughs> I mean, it was still it was still largely incoherent nonsense I mean, the, the second half of the room was better as well. I mean, I think we, I think we might have just settled into what was happening, like you know what our Friday night was, what our lives had become, because both halves, Aston Villa, weren't good enough. But fucking hell, was the result good enough? Result was great, and sure, we might as well just go through some of the big talking points of the game. Villa got up and running very early, and it, it probably was a little insight into. <laughs> Don't know if it was the plan, but it, it was the insight into they did have a swing. Like, you know, a puncher always has a chance, and Villa, when they went at Leeds, when they broke, they, 
they did seem to get through Leeds easier than Leeds would get through Villa. Not that they did it that often, which was frustrating. But the first, the first goal starts with a Leeds corner, and it's a big chance, a big chance for Rocca. I don't know what he's doing. He, he tri- like he tried to run into it. Like that was his plan. It wasn't even like he tried to hook it and miss it. He tried to run into it and missed it. So even if he had have connected with it, nothing would have happened. It would have hit off his balls and just fell down in front of him. Uh, young, like you know, it comes out then to Isaac Young and. I think this guy's going to come up a lot on this podcast yet again. But what a ball out to Kamara. And it's a great break. It's like it's a great break from Kamara initially anyway to, to get moving and, and give him that option. And Young finds him. And then Kamara. Like this this is the difference now between an alpha like Bubakar Kamara and the rest of us. Because the pass to Bailey is on. It's on early. And, and, and I think the sanctity of a counter-attack sort of obliges you just to push it just play it because everybody knows that you have to play it and you have to do it early and it has to be a counter-attack and we have to respect it and everybody would do it even though it might not be the best thing but it is the thing that you won't get given out for because because you went for the counter-attack but no Bubakar Kamara thinks he can do better and he thinks we can all do better <laughs> and he just he just keeps going with the ball and he also knows Bailey's wide and he knows Bailey's isolated and that's that's never Never a good concoction, so he keeps carrying it. <laughs> he sells, he sells Aronson for a Mars bar as he pulls it back and goes around him, and then he lets the runners just go in deep, going past everybody. Then he basically gives Bailey the shot on his left foot. Then the way he's manipulated this move and like the shot, the shot is just lovely. It's primely on Bailey, really. Yeah, it's it's absolutely terrible defending from the corner, and rather than just smashing it, Mark Rocker does what his dad should have done and pulls out. And- <laughs> And it's an absolutely brilliant pass from Ollie Watkins with his back and he plays it to the right man as well. And Kamara knows it and he's off and it's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant ball from Ashley Young. Absolutely gorgeous. The touch from Kamara is so good. It allows him to get away and he carries it brilliantly. He looks to his left, sees our least informed player, looks to his right, sees our second least informed player. And he, he does the mass and decides, <laughs> decides it's worth the risky drag back and sidestep inside. And then professional footballer and Premier League colleague Struck doesn't know that Leon Bailey is left footed. <laughs> that that that's like not knowing what foot you are yourself. Like it, it shouldn't be a question of knowledge, even. I mean, as a fullback, it's part of your autonomic nervous system. Like Leon Bailey is on the ball, he lurks to the right, your heart <laughs> continues to beat, your lungs continue to breathe, your stomach continues to digest. Struck froze and shat himself. And and <laughs> Bailey gets his customary goal to keep his one goal per game ratio intact with an absolutely gorgeous finish. I mean, it was it was almost a perfect counter attack as well. When you see you see JJ and Ollie absolutely eating up the ground to join in, like we had four players in their box by the time it got to Leon Bailey's feet, Leeds mm. had three players back. It was it was electrifying. It was absolutely devastating. Yeah, it was great, and that was that was the start of the game. There was a there was a moment with. We're going to talk a bit more, I think, about Nanto later and maybe about Gary Neville's fascination with him. But um, there was a shout for a Leeds penalty and I don't think it was a penalty. I just thought I would mention it because it was all the way around. We would talk about it at the top of the show. Um, Mings just sort of throws him to the ground. Is he just too small? Like, it, I don't feel like that's even a conversation for a penalty. If that's Bam- Bamford, imagine, you're just stumbling around him as Mings throws him throws into the side maybe that's unfair on bigger men that like you're allowed to abuse them quicker but they were definitely looking at that one for a penalty and it, it wasn't given obviously 
I think it's a penalty. I mean, you, you can't just grab somebody by the chest and fuck them behind you to the ground. The, the corner's coming in as well. I mean, the ball's in play. And Jerome Mings is very, very lucky. That's balance. There you go. That's balance. So let's move on to the offside goal by Rodrigo. Mings's block is initially great. Um, Rodrigo does well uh, to react. He's on the ground and he kicks it in. But he's offside. It's, it's tight. It's narrow. He's offside, and he is the one who sets up the first chance, and he's the one who puts away the rebound, so I don't think there's a chat there. Ah, no, no, absolutely not. It's, just, it's as clear as Tyrone Mings fucking a young fella to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> the second goal, the one that got the coat really moving. Um, <laughs> just before this, this is a frustrating thing, really, and it's a good night for Leon Bailey, um, and we'll, mm. we'll give him more praise later. This is probably the... The thing about Leon Bailey, maybe it's divisive, or definitely divisive, but he's on the right. Yeah, he's looking to cut inside again. He beats two players and he does really well. He gets the crowd going, and all he has to do is let it go. Just release the midfielders now. Like, you've got some of the best running midfielders inside. You just give it to them, or you've done all the good work. Like, Kanza got it to you in a tight area down the wing. You've beaten two men. But he tries to beat a third. He tries to beat a third, and not only does he lose it and ruins the chance of breaking away, he concedes a chance, a massive chance, and... Ashley Young, Ashley, Ashley Young, like here we go again. I mean, the, the tackle, the interception to get that away from Adams, who seemed to appreciate it more than anybody. He was like, fair play to you, mate. Like that, that was brilliant. Uh, Emmy Martinez picked it up then. And then Dougie, like this is, we're on the, we're on the way now. So Dougie sends it back to Bailey once, we, once we've reset. Bailey's further up the pitch this time. So he's not in a danger of conceding the chance. <laughs> <laughs> he's on the right, cuts in again onto his left. Uh, he doesn't pass it again. <laughs> like when Diaz sort of darting inside, and I thought they was going to release him. He shoots. It's a you know, powerful shot, really. It's straight at Melier. When reacts, Melier actually just stays sitting down to see what Buendia would do. <laughs> <laughs> and Buendia heads at what must be what four and a half foot into the air, and it goes <laughs> over. It goes over to six foot three Melier. And a ter- terrible offside call. Six foot it, six. <laughs> yeah, is he six six? He's massive. Yeah, he's six six. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got we got the goal after a VAR check. Yeah, the, the, uh, you've called this right. I mean, the, the goal is the enigma of Leon Bailey, and that's what it should be, Chris. And that is he is he the best shit footballer on the planet, or <laughs> or the worst brilliant footballer on the planet? It's one or the other. I mean, <laughs> he loses the ball in a really dangerous situation for Aston Villa. Dangerous in both senses. Dangerous in the sense that we're through. If he releases the ball, we're through. And we're fucked if he loses it as well. <laughs> and not only that, how he loses it, steps inside one, steps inside two, absolute magic. Steps into a third. Oh, look, <laughs> look, the, the card was up his sleeve all along. And then Young saves him with a, quite frankly, match-winning tackle. And then it's quick, clever release from Martinez, from Ramsey, and from Dougie. Like doing the right thing and doing it at pace. Leon Bailey doesn't learn that lesson, obviously. And then it's fourth time, fourth time lucky for Leon Bailey. He gets it onto his left. <laughs> Fully grown adult, struck, doesn't know Bailey's left footed and he wants to turn inside. Like he's still dazzled by the pyrotechnics and the fucking razzmatazz. He doesn't want to look behind the curtain. Cannon. <laughs> and, then, and then Leon Bailey absolutely lellers the shot. I mean, it comes flying off his foot. But look, you can see the strings. The magic's over. It's straight down the middle. It's straight at Melly. But was this his final trick, Conan? Get Melly involved in the game. Like I say, the shot had power. But why is he falling to the ground? Like, 
we'll leave aside the fact that he palmed it straight back into the middle of his own six-yard box. But, like, why is he getting knocked over? I mean, he, he really is the perfect audience participant for Bailey's Magic Show. He, he wants to believe. He wants to be hypnotized. And his attempt to get off the ground. I mean, Buendia has done a lot of things right for the school. But getting power behind the header or hyped wasn't one of them. Like, I, 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 just absolutely, I absolutely love Nelly. I, I really do. He's fucking, he's adorable. He's like a fucking child waddling towards their parent for the first time, falling over and over again. Just stand up. And like, I, I know you have a big old nappy on and you've shot yourself repeatedly, but get onto your feet. <laughs> It, it, it is probably the best thing about Bailey's performance that he brought brought Melee in because I, I had down in the You Like Glenn Whedon take a 90th minute penalty award Villa not using Melee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they have him on the pitch and they refuse to bring him into the game and they refuse to <laughs> let him be be a part of it. And like Bailey started it really. Well, he created a goal. He won the match really because of that. He hit it at him. Let's see what happens. Yeah, great. <laughs> he'll set up Wendia and he'll stay down for Wendia to score. He'll get out of the way. And, and then... And then Melier comes into play then. He's feeling good. He's trying to get Villa more goals. He comes rushing out. Takes a terrible touch. Clatters continue. Should be a red. It's not a red. I don't know what, what they were thinking there. Like it was that stage of the game where Leeds were trying to get back into it. So it was like, yeah, it's fine. Let's just keep rushing this through now. We're, we're all caught up in the momentum of the team chasing the game. And uh, yeah, like that was two game-defining moments really from Melier. Like if he had got sent off, it definitely would have been. But um, yeah, that, that's what he can bring you. Imagine trying to remedy coming 40 yards outside your box and missing the ball, essentially, by jumping six foot into the air and kneeing Bundia in the head. Like, in what, in what world does that get you in the trouble you've caused yourself? <laughs> and then just finally at the top of the show, Leeds did come back into it. Uh, Patrick Bamford comes on, gets a goal. Um, Nonto had a good last 15-20 minutes especially Young Young was tiring of course he was like he was so prominent <laughs> on the ball for Villa and he was doing so much work off the ball uh, he gives like Nonto gives Young a little nudge and he's away sort of down the left Sanson just on the pitch gets back he gets back and he just gets helped on his way past the ball as he tries to get back and do something about it. And as he runs past the ball in the box and not those ready like to step inside, he's watching Sanson do this. It gives him another little flick, you know, just to make sure he knows his place and he doesn't get any ideas about making a challenge. And Sanson just sort of like wimps away and lets Nanto play the ball inside and uh Bamford strikes it in then. Really it's simple enough for him. Yeah, you're right. Nanto did three good things in the last 15 minutes of the game. And yeah, he's obviously the greatest player that's ever existed now. <laughs> it, it, it's absolutely pathetic from Ashley Young. I mean, you've been unbelievably kind to him there. I think it ruined an otherwise exceptional performance. I mean, I don't think we can actually consider putting him up on the vitamin meter. It was that bad. I mean, it, it was one moment in an exceptional 90 minutes, but he's cheated. It's scummy. And worse than that, it's pathetic. And I would never really associate pathetic with Ashley Young. And also, it's a really bad decision. And that is definitely something I wouldn't associate with Ashley. And why has he not just foiled Nato there? Why is he jumping on the ground like a fucking idiot? Like, it, he's done by the ball over the top and he knows he's not going to get back. I would expect Ashley Young to turn around and just tap his ankles with a rugby tackle. That's genuinely what I would expect that Ashley Young to do there. Not to throw himself on the ground because Nato's elbow has touched the back of his shirt. It was terrible. And it's absolutely pointless from your hero Sanson I mean what is the what is the point of that recovery run and it's a very very good recovery run 
But are we to believe that if Morgan Sanson starts running, he can't stop? <laughs> it's like Forrest Gump when you did on for the banner to tell him to stop. <laughs> and we're going to have to get another banner as well, because if he's facing him one direction, apparently he can't turn either. I mean, not who's nippy, but this is fucking unbelievable stuff. Not who's nippy, but he's also got a football at his feet. Sanson doesn't have any of those things to worry about. And he can't fucking stop running or turn around. Jesus Christ, it was bad. Yeah, that's it. Well, I think Gary Neville's gotten into your head anyway about Nanto. Like you, you, you said he deserved a penalty against Mings. You were calling Ashley Young pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any part of this, so we're going to stop it there and we're going to go to WhatsApp. Win. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Let's start doling out some fines first. Only one player found touch unnecessarily today. It was Douglas Louise. One two with Ashley Young. Ugh, one two. He knew that wasn't on. Ashley Young <laughs> plays it to Douglas Louise. And then Ashley Young is about 20 meters away from Douglas Louise, who was under a bit of pressure and thought, I'll play this and make it look like it should like Young should have been there. Went straight out of play. Um Dougie, expect better from me there. It's very strange that professional footballers still do that. I mean, that's really the type of thing I'd expect myself to do if I was fucking knackered. If I knew the player up my hole was better than me, <laughs> I might just kick it out of play and then go, "Oh, sorry, I thought I was, I thought I was doing a one-two. And I, and if I did that, it'd be once in my lifetime. I'd say I still haven't done it, but I'm not, you know, discounting the fact that I might do it in the future. But for a Douglas Louise to do it, a Brazilian international Premier League footballer, <laughs> mad. Emmy Martin is fine for another yellow card for time wasting. I mean, look, this is funny, right? It is funny, but that's three. That's three. and that's three after. Remember, we we couldn't believe they didn't have any when they've got the first one. Um, so he's been asking for them for a long time. Now he's gotten three. He's going to miss a game. He's going to miss a game because of this, and we're going to have to play Robin Olsen, and then nobody's going to be laughing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pathetic. I don't I don't like it. I don't think we needed to do it. We were under a lot of pressure. Leeds are a well set up team, and they they had the better of us in that game. But 
not only just the incessant lying down with the ball, there was one he got at the edge of the box, Conan, and he walked back to the byline with the ball. I mean, that is just fucking pathetic. And you could hear Villa Park getting restless with it. I mean, this is not what we should be doing on our Friday night. This is not what Aston Villa should be doing with the objectives we should have for the rest of the season, now, particularly given the teams that are ahead of us. We shouldn't have our goalkeeper walking back to his byline. I think we were only 1-0 up at this stage as well. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, and all our week's wages fine for Martinez. I think I've got three more here. <laughs> um, well, Alex Moreno, I'm going to let him off because obviously his first game, and you know we want him to get paid, we want him to feel good. The first week he's at Aston Villa, but the slight tackle on Jack Harrison, <laughs> like leads his right, Villa's left. He he comes from a long way away, and it's sliding for ages. If you're going to do that, you better make sure you get the ball. But if you're going to do that, you're more than likely not going to get the ball because. As Harrison proved, he saw him coming from about two seconds away. So he kicked the ball ahead. <laughs> Watched Moreno continue to slide in, jumped over him and continued running on. It's a new fine for WhatsApp winches, but let's cut that out right now. It's a... What's the what's the fine for putting yourself needlessly out of play? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unnecessarily sliding for too long. We'll, we'll work on the wording of it. Uh, Douglas Ruiz second fine for the week um, just a foul at the edge of the box unnecessary foul from behind late uh, what 19 yards out that's back we haven't seen that in a long time there we go it's back it's back it's lazy it's it's really irritating it was a dangerous stage of the game yeah he needs to cut that out do you know the way we find people for taking that John McGinn shot you know the one from 40 yards and most of the time when they're not really set like like Matt Cash, Matt Cash started trying to take John McGinn's thunder. Should we should we find the Villa Park fans for telling Tyrone Mings to shoot? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and like and I can understand that there's something just irresistible. He was coming onto the ball at such pace, yeah. and there was so much space in front of him as well. His stride, stride was right as well. Yeah, they, yeah, it was. And if it wasn't Tyrone Mings's left foot, you'd be thinking, "Ooh, there's something on here," but. <laughs> It was Tyrone Mings galloping through the middle of the pitch, and it was certainly not the right idea, not the right thing. It's the type of thing that, once again, I would expect me to do whenever I'm playing Sunday League, you know, to just gallop onto the ball and think, <laughs> ah, fuck it. <laughs> There's been too much comparisons now to <laughs> amateur football in Dublin. Like, this is this is uh, shows the standard of what this game was like on Friday night. Absolutely, and in the Villa Park's crowds defense as well we were playing fucking dreadfully so at that stage it was probably like shit why fucking not <laughs> all right the first whatsapp one do you, do you remember the the danny ings pass to bailey remember bailey's first goal against everton ings takes it from the throw-in and he just hooks it into the space mm. bailey heads it forward smashes it in brilliant stuff Danny Ings has ruined the legacy of that pass by trying it again here against Leeds when the middle of the pitch was so packed. He didn't even look. And it, well, actually, he did look initially. He took a throw in. He took, he took it off somebody, got it back to him. They won an hour through. And I was like, oh, that's the same position that he did that Bailey thing. And I could see him looking. And I was like, oh, I wonder is he going to see if there's anything on here. He didn't. Because like, obviously there was nothing on. And he just lobbed it into the middle. It was a birthday tea style pass. <laughs> lumped it into a herd of Leeds players and Leeds broke down the pitch and I can think of no bigger slander than to say (laughs) you did something that Bertrand Rory would have done 
<laughs> Imagine you haven't gotten that WhatsApp message. Like, where was that abandoned? <laughs> the second WhatsApp wins. Have these fucking commentators noticed Kamara yet? Very, very, very strange, wasn't it? It was oh. a bizarre, and it even went on to the end of the game as well, where they gave Leon Bailey the man in the match. I mean, <laughs> like it, it couldn't have been clear that Bubakar Kamara was the best player in that pitch, and it wasn't even close. I mean, he was incredible on the ball. He was so calm, yeah. so smart. And that was both in his passing and in his carrying of the ball. I mean, it's just the body movements he had just to step yeah. away from people. He did one at the edge of the box where he just, I think it was Harrison again, just sent him to the shops. And the way he eats up the ground to close down opposition players and how and when he decides to close them down as well. He's so close to getting it so many times and it always forces a negative pass from the opposition. He's just so fucking clever. And even the last minute clearance then as well. I mean, if that didn't bring him to your attention, what fucking game were those clowns watching? You know, they were watching the Nanto game. That's what they were watching. Like, <laughs> you quickly, before we move on to Nanto, I was just on Kamara again because like, you're right about the, the body movement. I, I love, I, I really love when players look like they find football so easy and and you know they're doing this stuff effortlessly and again to make comparisons with, with us stuff that i just wouldn't be able to do as easily or as gracefully you know like just a way they can maneuver themselves out of positions they're like they see their peripheral visions better they're like they see things in slow motion obviously it looks so simple for him like for me to do the, the sort of stuff he does at a canter would be the best thing I've ever done in my life. Like, and like, actually, j- just on the body movement, I was listening to a podcast there. Matt, I haven't really followed the career of Dua Lipa, but um, I, I do remember she's singing a World Cup or something one time, and people were booing her Champions League final, maybe. But um, there's been a wave apparently in America of relationships ending after boys and girls are going to her concert. Because the boys are becoming so obsessed with her. Apparently, she's apparently I've seen some of the videos now since. The, apparently, she's got this really sexy body movement type of thing. The best compliment I could pay to Bubakar Kamara is that he is the football equivalent of Dua Lipa dancing on clothes. The the one that like the thing that really graded with me. <laughs> they were talking. They were talking. About Nanto, right? What a what a good little player your leads have there. After after Ice Young beats him to an other ball down the line and gets it to Kamara, and then Kamara takes it, fakes a pass back to Young as everybody runs to Young, and he just turns in the other direction and switches to play to Ramsey. And it's like, why are you still talking about Nanto? He didn't win that ball, and Kamara's just done something sensational. Villa away. Yeah, but they, they spent the entire pre-match talking about Nanto as well. Spent most of the match talking about him then as well. The only remarkable thing about Nanto was that he was pocketed by a man old enough to be his dad. <laughs> that, that was the most remarkable thing about Nanto's performance. And then in the last 15 minutes, but this is... like I would understand it if Gary Neville watched those last 15 minutes and said Leeds have a potential player there. But it was before the last 15 minutes, before he had done anything in the game. He was up his hole like you wouldn't believe. And the three things he did was he created the goal. Brilliant. He stepped inside Ashley Young once when Ashley Young's legs were gone. And he played a ball to the edge of the box. But those last two things, Gary Neville, that was enough for Gary Neville to say he's got it all, the passing and the body movement. I was like, Christ almighty, yeah. this lad is not Duolipa. <laughs> yeah, Gary Neville did say something like he, he can't remember 
a player that age and nailing a position as well as he's doing. I was like, what? Let's let's start with the top, and then we can work our way down. Like you have remembered some players at that age nailing their position, like Lionel Messi, like Wayne Rooney. Like we can keep going down, but like Gary Neville was heaping him as the best player he's seen at that age. Basically, it was a strange yeah. fascinating. Look, he looks like he looks like a decent player. That that's the annoying thing now. It's like somebody like Gary Neville would ruin that for you then by going over the top. And I was, but I was actually thinking during the first seventy-five minutes of that game that. Ashley Young is just too smart for all our professional footballers because yeah. he obviously like he's still physically incredible, but he was he was just he was dominating the start of that game on the ball. He was incredible again, similar to Kamara, his passing, his feints, like gently lifting the ball over tackles whenever people are running in because they're not as smart as Ashley Young. He's just going to step away from you, and he was too good at positioning Fernando to get involved in the game at all. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what was going on, what I was hearing. I'm not sure what the agenda was here. It was like that time Gary Neville said that Gareth Southgate's the best manager England could possibly have. It just came out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Nanto is the best left winger in the world. <laughs> the, the last WhatsApp wins. I think the way Mings and Kanza are dealing with players running between them and then behind. You know that one very specific move where they just. He goes through the centre and get in behind. It's not like they're going in behind one of them specifically. I think Maguire could play for Villa. <laughs> no, but the whole point of making a signing is you'd want something to be an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something weird here at the minute, right? Mings and Kanzer are playing really well, I think, individually. But that 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 move is is a problem. They're not syncing up for that move. Like players are getting lost in that triangle, the Bermuda triangle between them. Yeah, playing really well individually, despite the fact that people are running straight through the middle of Aston Villa's defence. <laughs> Interesting opinion on a centre-half there. <laughs> All right, we'll go to the awards categories after this. We're going to start with the thoughts of the Villa podcast. Maybe it was just because I really didn't want to fucking lose to Leeds United. The lifting up of Patrick Bamford with one hand, I did enjoy that because Patrick Bamford is an unlikable character and he's probably being a bit of a twat to Tyrone Mings all game. He's nothing like that either, is he? He's a real. He's like if you. He's an uh, unlikable character. Like one of he's put on a foot. Patrick Bamford can't skin you. It's, it's not. It's not. He's not that type of player. It's not any game. Somebody put on a foot there. I felt all the pain. I imagine I probably sound as much of a, a biased, one-eyed idiot. Block the fucking shot. It was a fucking disaster. I did quite enjoy the hopelessness of their the grief with it, though, as well. Because they're laughing. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Sure, we were beaten anyway. Not that it fucking mattered anyway. Villa was shite. Like, there's, there's nothing but space. Leeds are going to be spanked a few times this season. Make no mistake about that. I mean... They're they're really well coached. They're really aggressive. They're really adventurous. But the players are shit. <laughs> the, the key line is that we're we're well coached um, and very aggressive, but our players are shit. They're not either. They're not shit. I mean, that was great. That did have everything. Only downside those Bromley accents, though. <laughs> really go through you, don't they?
Let's get straight into the Ronnie Rossenthal Award. Must have been post-traumatic stress for Emmy Martinez seeing that Netherlands free kick unfold. (laughs) (laughs) They went for it. They they played in. Rodrigo, Dougie's holding him. Rodrigo goes down. Martinez comes out. Maybe a bit too late. He's he's, he's done by it again. He's never going to sleep tonight. And uh, he gets clattered himself. Moreno actually gets that one off the line as well. We'll come back to the real heroic intervention that he had. I think it was offside in the end anyway. Yeah, and I'm disappointed in you there. That's you and Gary Neville giving oxygen to the idea that Douglas Louise touching somebody might be considered a foul. I mean, at, at worst, he's tickled his nipples. I mean, it's it's not even in the same ballpark as a foul. It's incredible that that was looked at by the Sky cameras and brought up again on a Aston Villa podcast. Uh, Emmy got out there quick enough. It's a brilliant. It's an absolutely brilliant free kick because it's a position that you would be expecting. You have to shoot from there, much like the Netherlands one. So. Yeah. I think I'm being harsh on Emmy there, to be honest. Uh, speaking of Kanza and Mings' partnership, the Bailey and Watkins chance. Uh, Ashley Young caresses this ball over the top down the right. And that's like, it is funny, isn't it? You know, we, you can talk all you want about tactics <laughs> and you can do all this training. And sometimes it's just a little dink over the top from Ashley Young that sets Bailey away and you're in for what should be a goal. Watkins, he, he was on first time and I think he needed it first time, but Bailey had the head down. And I'm going to. I know on Sky they, they were blaming Watkins and most people probably will for not getting in there where Bailey played it. But And he, he doesn't move, in fairness to him. But Bailey's not looking at him. He doesn't have his head up. And I think Watkins wants to see the whites of his eyes before he makes a move. He wants to know, is he kicking this? And where is he kicking it? Like, does he see my run? So Watkins stayed where Bailey would have seen where he was based on what he last saw because he didn't look up. Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah, people are going to give out for Watkins for not getting in there where Bailey played it. Bailey shouldn't be playing it if Watkins hasn't gotten in there. That's that's where I stand in those, in those instances. And Watkins' position is fine. They say that Bailey can't get the ball back then where he is. He can. Watkins is, Watkins is standing behind the defender. The pullback is on. Yeah. And Bailey can even pull it back a little bit further because there's nobody else in the box. Watkins can step back and get there. And even if Watkins does make that run, too much power in the cross, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but also necessarily so because if Bailey doesn't put that power in, well, I suppose Melee is the goalkeeper, but <laughs> if Bailey doesn't put that power on it, then a goalkeeper could potentially get there, and so it's not it's not the right pass either. The right pass was a pullback, and Watkins was right to stand there. Also, Watkins only had one ankle at that stage, so he was probably right to stand there for that <laughs> opportunity. But you say it's, it's some you, you can talk about tactics all you want, but sometimes a little toss over the top. You're acting like Leon Bailey playing on the shoulder of Struck wasn't part of the tactics. <laughs> yeah, probably got carried away. I just wanted to show how simple it was to open leads up. Through. <laughs> um, in fairness, Leeds had most of the chances. I would say the the Moreno clearance. So Rodrigo rounds the keeper um, and. <laughs> this was an interesting one I think they were trying to criticise Moreno because his left foot missed it he was sprinting back trying to clear it out his left foot missed it and he back knee bent and got a slid into the ball and got it out whatever which way and what I loved about this was the pace I just love fast players and this guy tried to step out to play Rodrigo offside and he still that fast for that? <laughs> but he still got back he still got back and, and he got back ahead of everybody else and I uh, made that clearance. 
Yeah, he, he does brilliantly to recover from the terrible position they'll play, actually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with that. But to, to read what Rodrigo's going to do, yeah, it's good. And Sky, we're talking about if Rodrigo just lifts, Rodrigo has been forced wide. To lift that would have been really, really difficult. It's a brilliant clearance. You don't need to criticize Rodrigo for that. Yeah. I don't know if you remember in the build up to this move, it, it was on Leeds' left wing. Ashley Young's making a challenge. Douglas Louise is further infield. And Douglas Louise falls over. I don't know what he was falling over for. He, fa- he face planted into the ground as Ashley Young is making a challenge. It was like he vicariously fell over, like feeling the power of that challenge. And that was that was part of the reason Leeds were able to piss through the middle. It was it looked accidental. I don't, you know, I don't know what happened. I don't want to blame him, but I also don't want my defensive midfielder falling over unnecessarily as he's trying to run. It's one of the things I actually look for in a defensive midfielder. Is- <laughs> <laughs> being able to run. it's one of the things I look for in a footballer actually it's just being able to run that's the base level I think not falling over not face planting is <laughs> intrinsic part of being a footballer I think uh, poor Luke Alien what a fucking pass across first time on the volley <laughs> big switch of play from, from Jack Harrison I think or no he's trying to play it into Jack Harrison the switch of play comes from the left over to Luke Alien on the right volleys it inside into Jack Harrison who who thinks he's potted away and Emmy Martin is has sprang like a cat across his line I mean this is the sort of thing that Robin Olsen needs Ashley Young to protect that side of the goal for him Emmy <laughs> <laughs> Martin is says no no you guys push out I've got the goal yeah, like the his footwork again it's his footwork I mean the understanding of the danger and when you see that in real time it looks it looks like it gets across unbelievably quickly but he's he's already there I mean, yeah. he's already, he doesn't have to dive. He actually nearly dives past the ball and it hits him kind of in the chest because he's so far, because he's understanding of the danger of the game, of the sport that he's involved in, gets him across the pitch so quickly. And the size of the big bastard as well <laughs> just covers, covers so much of the goal. It's, it's incredible. There's a couple, uh, I guess three or four here. I'll, I'll just run through and we can, we can talk about them, whatever one you want after them. But Moreno, like lovely little interplay with Jacob Ramsey. I know you'd like that one, but it sits tidy. It's sharp. It's a nice one-two. has a shot. The crowd love it. It's not a, not a great shot in the end, but it forces a save. Nanto cuts inside. Tries to Bailey. Not against Martin as buddy. <laughs> not today. Uh, Douglas Louise had a bit of a shot. Ba- Bailey set him up, and Louise fizz one by the, by the, not the stanchion, but by the joint, really. It wasn't, it wasn't too far off, to be honest. And then Moreno, again, he had a shot side net, and Ramsey teed him up for it. Nice. Like a ball came to Ings, who dropped it off to Ramsey, who was facing, you know, he was, he was plowing forward, so it was a nice little drop off from Ings. Ramsey didn't look at Ings again. I thought Ings was in on the right, but Ramsey was set on giving it to Moreno. It was like, wasn't necessarily the wrong decision either, but he probably could have had a look to see what, what the story was of Ings over at the other side. The Moreno, the first Moreno one, it's an absolutely brilliant burst from Moreno, and then it's a brilliant burst from JJ once Moreno kind of loses the ball. Then it's a really strange pass from JJ to give it back so quickly, and it's a terrible finish from Moreno. I can understand why people got a little bit excited about it. <laughs> the, the, the Douglas Louise spank, I mean, he, he does he does what I suggested and faces the sidelines so that his body shape approximates taking a corner. And what happens, Connie he nearly whoops it into the fucking top corner. That's so true, yeah. <laughs> the same top corner as well. Yeah, he was facing the same direction he would be facing if he was over at that corner flag. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, but this the, the really remarkable thing about this is that every time Leon Bailey goes down the right, we get a chance. Like, <laughs> 
like maybe maybe the migraines are worth it. Maybe maybe the dents in my armrest are worth it. The broken skin of my knuckles caused by the interminable chopping inside is worth it for this fucking element of surprise. It, <laughs> it happens all the time as well. We saw it. We saw it this afternoon with Garnacho. I mean, a split second before he spun Aki, he had moronically come back on his right foot to try a stupid cross to the back post for the fourth or fifth time in <laughs> ten minutes. And then he goes down to the left and he gets across it and it's a goal. And it, like one of my thoughts in this game initially was, how does Leon, very, very initially now, first two minutes, how does Leon Bailey think he's good at dribbling? Like, how, how, how does anyone, why is he indulged? Has he ever taken the ball around someone with a purpose? And obviously, obviously that was laced in recency by his from the previous previous three games. But it's it's just incredible that he just keeps copping inside, and then once he goes out to the right, the two or three times he does it in the game, we're in. We get yeah. a chance. Somebody does something, and then the, the second Moreno one, it's it's brilliant from Bailey. It's a it's a lovely layoff. It's a lovely layoff from Ings to JJ. JJ should absolutely give it back to him. I think he doesn't fancy the pass on his left, but I think he's got enough time to change that onto his right and give it to Danny Ings. He gives it to Moreno, and then Moreno should give it back to JJ as well. <laughs> but he doesn't and hits the side net. Yeah. The, there's only two more. Well, one of them was the Coutinho seeing Melier off his line, trying that. Didn't, didn't mind that. that. That's fine. And there was a period after Villa got the second goal, they were in the groove for about five, seven minutes, really. But I think it was the best football they played, and it was the football that we want to see, you know, like the players getting ahead of the lines again then and, and having the options up the pitch. So, like, the midfielders got it and they played it to the advanced midfielders and they were able to play it to the forward. Sometimes it looks simple. And and this one was Kamara, lovely little dink into Dougie, who's got good control and he turns his body and he dinks it through the Ings, who really should do better, I think. he's I, uh, I don't know what it is. His, his touch isn't exactly heavy. It, it's just... It's just not quick enough. It's not sharp enough, and Melee saves it. Yeah, this was the this was the Danny Ings of last season, really, and this the commentary was similar as well. You'd fancy him there, would you know? <laughs> How often can we say you'd fancy him there before the fucking lights in the nightclub come back on and you see that you actually, in fact, do not fancy him there? Still, still has six goals and eight starts. Though. Yeah, yeah, they, like he, he was almost anom- anonymous in this game, and he has been a lot, lot more lethal. In this in this game, despite the fact that most of his goals have come from the substitutes bench, yeah, and not the eight stars. The Peter Enkelman, what the fuck? Hang on, which were who are we giving the the winner of this to? It, it, does the Harrison one count if it's such a good save from Martinez? Yeah, I, I the commentators themselves were were confused by that one about whether or not he should score and get two centre forwards. Then. Jermaine Beckford and Dion Dublin both arguing about whether or not it was a great save or a great finish. I think he's so close in. Ah, it's like it's a fucking incredible save. Yeah. Uh, in the six-yard box. So Danny Ings wins it yet again. Danny Ings can <laughs> add it to his collection. <laughs> the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award. Um, Emmy Martin is nutmegging himself from from the Tyrone Mings pass. Like not not that the ball went through his legs. He kicked it through his own legs and got confused. And then the the casual reaction. To Rodrigo closing him down, that that doesn't help because it leads to a shit pass to Conza. Like you've played it backwards now, it's almost going for a corner. Conza's now scrambling; he has to play a shit clearance, and you know the the, the element of trying to let everybody know it's fine. Like I, I I let it go through my legs has now just 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 react and get the ball and pass it to Conza. That's what I would say. But the casualness led to something more than what it should have been. 
Yeah, this has been a problem with Ming's, Kanza and Martinez in the past, and it will continue to be the pretending it's grand before it's actually grand as well. Yeah. And then the fucking absolute hospital pass to Kanza, you sort it out because I'm not going to pretend I'm flustered here. <laughs> like Martinez is going to concede a goal this season from losing the ball at his feet. He just is. He's 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 too casual. I mean, you could say it's calmness. It, it, I don't think it is. I think he's going to get caught out. I don't think his footwork is good enough for the level of arrogance that he's displaying with the ball at his feet, the, how willing he is to be closed down, but also the absolute huge danger of the two players that he's given to, given the ball to, who don't particularly want to receive it in difficult circumstances. Is this a Peter Enkelman what the fuck award or a shithousery award? Martinez's header to Moreno? I don't know if you remember this. He was at the corner of his box. Moreno was only on a few minutes. I think Martinez could have just stepped back and caught it. And instead, he's going on vibes and he, he tries to head it to Moreno, who's now under so much pressure. It was just, again, another unnecessary panic. Like it caused unnecessary panic. And for Martinez, it didn't because he left somebody else to deal with the panic. <laughs> I actually think that was a really good piece of goalkeeping. He, he's come out. He, he did it twice. There was two, there was two cir- circumstances where the ball was played over the top and Mings has turned and he's going back and you see the goalkeeper coming out and those moments so often leads to goals how many times do you see indecision between a goalkeeper and a centre half resulting in a goal both times Martinez made the decision I think he had to head that once he came out I don't think he should have come out but I think he reacts well then and yeah he, fair enough he fucks over Moreno but he also got away with the situation and there was another one in the second half where it's dropping and it's plummeting out of the sky as well just over Mings' shoulder and Martinez has come but instead of panicking, instead of leaving it for Mings, which he probably should have done, he just puts it into the air and gets back onto his line. I think he dealt with both of those pretty well. Jacob Ramsey's nominated, the third nomination, um, bringing back the classic, the, the Villa midfield of old. Remember the, the Morgan Sanson, I would call it, the, the first time pass back to the keeper when you're, what, 60 yards away? Uh, he, tra- he tried to just lump it straight back. In fairness to Jacob Ramsey, Moreno just touched one onto him and, and Ramsey was under a lot of pressure and he tried to deal with it by getting it over a lot of people back to Martinez. It was a bad decision and it was going to be selling Martinez short because it was hanging in there and Tyro Mings just threw up a big tentacle and batted it clear. It was uh, brilliant for Mings. Yeah, I mean, say it in fairness to JJ, he received a bad ball from Reno. That doesn't excuse him at all. <laughs> Receiving a bad ball doesn't mean you fucking compound it by hoofing <laughs> one back 40 yards, not to your goalkeeper, to the lead centre forward. And luckily, Tyrone Mings overhead kicks it clear. It was absolutely dreadful from Jacob Ramsey. Another case for Ashley Young here because, you know, I know we, we didn't like his, his dive or how he dealt with the Nanto nudge, but he saved Tyrone Mings when Tyrone Mings was. Not only dallying on the left-hand side, then his turn and touch was too heavy and the ball got away from him and then he slipped as he tried to react to it and Leeds come breaking down the pitch and it's only Ashley Young who gets in the way in the middle of the box to, to make a block. Look, Mings slipped. Sometimes that happens, but that usually happens when you've overhit a touch to yourself and you're trying to react. Like like the Gerrard one that was classic. Like it was, He let the ball get away from him, saw a bit of pressure and slipped as he tried to react. Yeah, the Tyrone Mings has, has tried a Cruyff turn on the halfway line. I mean, Tyrone Mings is not the player to be trying a Cruyff turn. And on the halfway line, as the centre half, is not the position to be trying a Cruyff turn. <laughs> Especially when you're being closed down by two players. And of course he slips. He slips because it's absolute panic stations. And he's right to be panicking because he's absolutely cocked up. And you're, yeah, fair enough. You can slip. Everybody can slip. 
but don't make the decision that leads to the slip initially. And it's absolutely brilliant from Ashton Young to get back. And to be fair to Aston Villa, three or four players had converged on Rodrigo by the time he got through. Yeah. I still think it would take some beating that Mings won. There's only one other nomination. More bizarre than really a what the fuck. Well, I suppose that's that's the nature of it as well. Is it the Danny Ings clearance from from the Leeds? <laughs> Leeds had a shit little chip over the top. They had a free kick on the right. They tried something. Nobody was aware of what they were trying. No Leeds player. They they all got caught out themselves. Danny Ings gets there first, and Danny Ings can now take it down, <laughs> or he can just lump it clear if he wants. Instead, he he stays facing the way he's facing, running towards his byline. He goes onto his knees, he dives into it, and he heads it out for a corner. And like, it was the most unconvincing header as well. It almost didn't make it out for a corner. Like it was strange. It was it was a John McGinn type header, only in our own box under no <laughs> you've, you've said something stranger, he can take it down. He had to go down to head it. I mean he's on his knees, like he didn't need to take it down, just control the ball and turn around. It's absolutely mad stuff, yeah. And I'm delighted you pointed out the fact that it trickled over the line. And of course it did though, because he's on his knees trying to go for a dive and header. No wonder it didn't go twenty yards. Maybe this wins, maybe this is a double for Danny Ings today. <laughs> I'm happy enough for that, yeah. <laughs> the Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Um, moving Bailey to the right in the second half, maybe. I know he was getting a lot of joy on the right anyway, where he was a bit more advanced, but I think it's just more importantly, it got Buendia into the game because he was, at that first half, he was in line for the Ashley Westwood. He was playing award. Like I, I don't remember him at all in the first half. He couldn't get a touch of it. And they brought Bailey out. You know, and I know that that comes with <laughs> with some hazard signs as well because of what he can do when he's deeper. But it got him into the game a bit more. It helped him not fade out of the game, probably most importantly, and it let Buendia buzz around. Yeah, that was definitely definitely a good idea, and it was probably needed because we needed a bit more solidity around the around the midfield. And you're right about Buendia. I mean, he's de- he was definitely on course for a nomination. For the Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing a word. He was utterly anonymous in the first half. I mean, I, I was thinking it's strange that Emery is persistent with this Buendia and continue profile of a player if this is how he wants to play because it just wasn't working. But then he was absolutely immense in the second half, the work he got through, and then the ball playing skills as well, which comes with that if you're able to put in the work and able to free up a bit of space for your midfielders. If you're able to beat the first press, then Buendia will come into his own once he's got defenders in front of him and no midfielders around him he's always he's always going to be dangerous and switching Leon Bailey back into midfield definitely help with that yeah I'm interested in the progression of Wendy I do think it could really click of him in this system I think he's getting better I know only in the last podcast I said I'm done with these type of players but I do think he is. I think he's learning. I think he's becoming a bit more solid. I think, yeah, if, if Emery can move him around as well, it gives a different option. And and also, like that's our last two victories now in the league have come with two Emery Buendia goals as well, and, and big victories against Leeds and Spurs. So, yeah, like it's it's good numbers for him too. It's 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 an interesting one. I'm not shouting from the rooftops just yet. I'm just keeping an eye on it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> The other nomination I have for the Tim Sherwood, we we played two number tens and bamboozled them award was just 
I think we can absorb pressure better. I don't like. I don't think this is luck. I don't think this is the same as all those other times we're being battered and we just don't like it. And we ask, what is the point of this? Because I don't think we're creating or we're conceding as many massive chances. Even even the Wolves one, I said that goal was coming and it was. Like it's probably a bad example, but I just feel like I I just feel like we like that that was uh, an example of we're probably not going to be under as much pressure, or hopefully not for the rest of the season as we were in the first half against Wolves, which is a depressing sentence. But <laughs> the fact we only conceded one goal in that game is, is something to behold. And I think, I just think there's a bit more solidity around the team. I think Emery has done what Gerard was trying to do. We don't need to make these comparisons, but like I just mean Gerard was so obsessed with being narrow and then to a fault because he didn't want anybody on the ball being wide, which was obviously a problem then, and asking a lot of cash and look at Dean. Whereas Emery seems to have gotten, it's a different formation, it's a different system, obviously, but he's gotten that tight, narrow structure through the centre, and we still, we can still play ball when we get on it, which is important too. Yeah, Ashley, Ashley Young said before the game that we'll have a different setup based on leads. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced anyone involved with Aston Villa has ever seen Leeds play before, based on how he came out in that first half. Then Emery was speaking afterwards, and he was saying, "So essentially, Emery was throwing his players under the bus without really throwing his players under the bus, where he was talking about he just wanted them to beat the first press. He wanted to suck Leeds in and then beat the first press, and we would get through them. And we got through them a lot in that second half, particularly." After Buendia's goal, we had three or four other chances because we were more positive, more confident on the ball, and we were just playing more vertical passes into our midfielders and into into our centre forward and going off them again. And there was a really interesting interview with John McGinn pre-game as well, where he was talking about he was talking about Emery and he was saying there was a level of detail that he's not used to coming from Emery, the level of detail that he's never had from a manager before. And I was thinking, geez, this is going to be good. Then he said, <laughs> whenever he started going into it, <laughs> that one of the things that Emery does that's different is that, you know, he'll tell you to take touches. Like, he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, he'll not tell you to get rid. Essentially, he wants his midfielders to be confident on the ball and to take a touch if the pass isn't on. So I thought, hmm, not a great start. He's, he's bound to go into a few other things. The next thing, the next thing John McGinn reveals that Emery, with his new level of detail, it was position, body positioning is what John McGinn said. And I thought this is going to be, oh, this is interesting. It's going to be how you should be standing to defend, how you should be standing to receive the ball. To, uh, to trick other players like you know maybe this is how Bobakar Kamara is so good on the ball not particularly massively insightful or anything like that but I still thought hmm an interesting level of detail that maybe a manager wouldn't be as interested in he wasn't talking about that Conan <laughs> by body position he meant positioning on the pitch literally <laughs> where he should be standing on the pitch this was the level of detail that John McGinn wasn't used to <laughs> Yeah. Where, where as a centre midfielder he should go when other players on the pitch have it Could I, I couldn't believe this and then and then John McGinn said he feels like he underperformed under Gerrard and he felt guilty for it if Steven Gerrard was telling his midfielders to get rid and not telling them where they should be on the fucking pitch why would you feel guilty about that 
good fucking riddance. You're doing God's work by underperforming under Steven Gerrard if that was the level of detail that he wasn't giving you. <laughs> and in fairness, I will say to you and I, Emery, that is the level of detail that John McGinn could remember. <laughs> <laughs> and retell i'm sure he's forgotten a lot of that detail and i'm sure body positioning is exactly what you were saying there i'm sure it was a duolipa type of thing i'm sure it was a lot more intricate than where to stand on the pitch like but john mcginn is now trying to tell this back to somebody else and the, the, the third hand story or the second hand story has just, just gotten lost in chinese whispers because mcginn hasn't been able to take it all in properly <laughs> The Emmy Martin is, is Ronaldo not hitting its shithousery award? <laughs> <laughs> Another nomination for the, the handball shouts from the Aston Villa crowd at Villa Park. That's, that's incredible. It's just so organic, so amazing. It's class that everybody cottons on to it. If nobody's aware of this, I'm sure you all are, but when the away fans roar for a handball, then for the next two minutes, the Villa the Villa crowd salute every touch of a ball by shouting handball to, to gear them, really. It's, uh, it's hilarious. I've got Emmy Martinez in here for the shithousery award and like I'm complaining about his time wasting. This one was a good one. He walked over to collect the ball. It was out for a goal kick and it was out at our left back position. He walked over and got it and he, Jesus, he took his time walking back but then he took it to the very far right-hand corner of the six-yard box and set it up there. That was amazing. Like, you know, you would just think, no, he's back in the six-yard box. It's go time again. But he had a long way to go across that six-yard box to get to the far side of it. <laughs> it turns out I've got a long way to go in my life watching Emmy Martinez time waste. <laughs> uh, the winner, I think, of the Shithousery Award this week, though, is Douglas Louise for holding, holding, pinning, Bubakar Kamara's head down on the ground and telling him, telling him to stay down. Unbelievable stuff. Yeah, and I'm absolutely, it just made my love for Bubakar Kamara grow even more that he was just laughing and just wanted to get up because he had no interest <laughs> in this. Bubakar Kamara is the type of player that understands how much he's dominating the game and how little he needs to do in terms of shithousery. Just get him on the ball and we'll see this game out. <laughs> takes us on to the John Gregory if I had a gun I would have shot him quote of the week you and I am raised Instagram delivers again he put up a picture of himself <sighs> this is just, it, it, like this is made for me this type of post right it, you and I am raised Villa Park is now empty it's darkness befallen over the sky he's looking out it's still lit up but it's faintly lit up and he's looking out onto the pitch so all we see is you and I Emery's back looking onto the pitch and his caption says Villa Park at midnight after a tough battle. I was thinking that this is really a home, not only a stadium. After the loss in the FA Cup, our fans welcomed us with full confidence and unconditional support. It was one of the keys for winning against a very good opponent. We are building a team and it's easier to do that if we feel the positive energy that every single fan at Villa Park has given us. Players are totally committed with this club. They are working hard. We are Aston Villa and we are stronger together. A family. Hashtag UTV addiction. <laughs> Dad, can you imagine me reading this? And, oh my God. And like a props to Ben Kennedy who sent it on and he sent it on. <laughs> he sent it on with the tweet that said, what's better? This 
or Gerard promoting ice cream on his Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, I, I have a, I have a soft spot for people who make you feel good, Connor. You know, so if if you and Emery is gonna pull at your heartstrings, and who am I to argue with that? I mean, I know you've also got a sweet tooth, but I just imagine that you preferred. Emery's post to Stephen Gerrard's post. <laughs> says a lot, doesn't it? But I'm an ice cream fan. <laughs> all right, let's do the vitamin meter. Going up, going up, Ollie Watkins. I mean, this really is the definition of, of the vitamin meter, the anti vitamin spirit, isn't it? He, he rolls his ankle. It looked, oh my God, it looks so terrible. It looked like something you would crack your ankle with. He lands on his toe and, and, mm. and goes over his ankle. Painful to watch. And he plays on for what, 12, 15 minutes? He, and he's trying his hardest and he's running his hardest and he's pulling up again and he's running again. And it's obviously going to come off, but he doesn't want to come off. And it's just, like, it's just Ollie Watkins all over, isn't it? It's pure honesty. It's absolutely pure honesty, yeah. And But it's also, he doesn't want to believe he's injured. And sometimes whenever you roll your ankle, there's an initial like, Argh! and then it's absolutely fine. And you have to hobble around for a while pretending it's sore than it is because of the embarrassment of the initial scream. And Ollie Watkins, I'm sure, I'm sure he wasn't doing that, but I'm sure he knows that sometimes your ankle is fine as well, and sometimes you put a bit of pressure on it and you keep running, it'll be fine. And that's just what he wanted to believe. He just wanted to run through the pain and just stay on the pitch because he's Ollie Watkins. Going up, I see Young. Um, nope. Yeah, going up, I see too too many big moments, too many interceptions, too many clearances, too many involvements in our two goals as well. Like, again talk about spirits like this guy is just delivering all the time and I know he's tired and of course he's tired but there's almost something endearing about watching him tiring because it's like he is only human he is 37 he is mortal and he's still giving it everything and I have to you know what actually the only the only thing I would suggest that he might be going down on this week is his post-match interview where he said, he said some bollocks like like someone like me would say, you know, like I've never been the most talented player, you know, but I'll give give everything. It's like what the fuck? Don't sell yourself short like that. You're a brilliant player. You have been. The last time you were at Villa Park, you're <laughs> you're one of the best players in the league. You won like was a player of the month three times at Aston Villa, like record time for Aston Villa. That like, this player is not only like obviously got full of grit, full of brains, full of full of everything else, but he was. He still is a really class player as well. Like I don't, I don't like him saying that about himself. It's getting, getting on in years though. I know maybe his memory isn't what it once used to be. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the people who just think Ronaldo stands in the six yard box and tapped in for the last twenty uh, years. Like that, that's honestly the biggest mistake, Ronaldo. Like not the biggest mistake, but it really has redefined his career. People have rewritten his career now because of what he's like in this iteration, like the last six months of his career. <laughs> exactly and Ashley Young has fallen into the own the same trap about himself <laughs> but he is he is absolutely not going up on the Vyman meter because of that dive at the end because of that stupid lazy decision to throw himself in the ground and almost let Leeds back in the game automatic veto from you then okay we can we can deal with that um Leon Bailey is going up and I'll tell you why because my fantasy football team is going up because of Leon Bailey. That's right. I kept the faith. I kept the faith after Wolves. After after who, who was the team that beat us? <laughs> Stevenage. I was going to say Peterborough. I realized it wasn't even a team that high up. It was Stevenage. <laughs> I kept the faith for Leon Bailey. That's that's why mostly I was having the sleepless nights. It was like should I should I keep this boy in my team or not? I kept him in the team 
and he's delivered with a goal and an assist for me. And you, people like you would have told me to take Leon Bailey out of my fantasy football team, but he stayed in and I have come good. I would have told Emery to take Leon Bailey out of the Aston Villa team just to bring this back to a conversation about football again. And <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Leon Bailey did well in your fantasy football team, but did he do that well for Aston Villa as well? I mean, you can't get negative points for losing the ball in moronic situations, for incessantly dribbling in to three or four Leeds players, can you? What you do get points for is the absolute other side of that, the magic that he brings, like I talked about before. <laughs> He's such a fucking infuriating footballer. And the biggest thing that's, or the most infuriating thing about it is we can all see the magic as well. We can all see those absolute glimmers of, magisterial play from him it's 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 so frustrating then when you just see him also at the in the same game just running down blind alley after blind alley incredible incredible footballer what an enigma <laughs> do you know when you said just earlier on that every time leon bailey goes down the right villa create a chance that is your gateway into something like craig butler saying word class flows through his every move <laughs> You're making your way there. You're you're just getting there slowly. Well, Leon Bailey's getting there slowly in my mind as well. <laughs> uh, going up, Tyrone Mings' clearances, I think. Just a lot of important clearances. And that's been week in, week out, I think. Now, I feel like every time the ball's dropping in the box, less of an issue, really. I feel like Mings is there just to thump it clear and give everybody the thumbs up. I, th- I think he's just... I uh, don't want to say he's gone under the radar, but he's just, just there dealing with things and, and taking taking a lot of sting out of situations. Yeah, and it's the same as always with Toronto Mings. It's only whenever he starts stinging us in the arse that it becomes <laughs> a problem with one or two massive cock-ups. And don't forget, he had a massive cock-up in this game as well. What did you think of Moreno? I really enjoyed... Um... <laughs> There's something I really admire about people's ability to be so frank and deliver it in such a... <sighs> nice way i suppose you know like sort of serving you the coldest truth you could be served but it's 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 wrapped in an ice cream sundae really here i'm back to ice cream now but (laughs) you and i emery's talking about signing moreno and just saying yeah we want to upgrade our players we need more pace i talked to augustinson already about leaving (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) and he's there openly talking about all the players he's obviously asked about guendouzi but he mentions him as well then he doesn't just refuse to ignore it but he just continues to talk about wanting to upgrade the team and it's like wow this is wow (laughs) this is this is a guy i can get on board with we already know we already know he's a a nice fella we already know he's a, a tactical mastermind we already know he's got the utv addiction (laughs) <laughs> but he's also got the ability to tell people and tell them straight and he's brought in Moreno anyway and yeah I liked you know I go off um, first impressions and I like the cut of this guy's jib I think you'll find that most people who are comfortable and confident in their own skin will be comfortable and confident speaking at a press conference about players that they want to sign or about how good they think all their players are and that is just what you know, Emery is I thought Alex Moreno gave one of the worst performances I've ever seen from anybody in an Aston Villa jersey. I thought he was absolutely diabolical. I don't think he could have played worse. Apart from, the one, <laughs> apart, from, apart from the one clearance off the line, I thought he was unbelievably sloppy on the ball, gave it away so many times, was really bad defending, really bad positional sense. And even at the end, when he volleyed the ball back into the mixer, whenever it had got cleared to the left wing, dreadful, dreadful performance. 
but with the caveat that he's only been at the club for two days, doesn't know any of his teammates, was thrown into a game about eight minutes into it. I, I honestly don't think... I don't know why anybody could be talking positively about the performance. It was dreadful. Let's get real here. How have we gotten from me admiring his jib to use them? <laughs> I, I, have, I have no doubt. I have no doubt that Alex Moreno will be a, will be a good footballer for... For but he was fucking shit. I just, yeah, like so. I, I, I know the the shitness that you're talking about. I, I, <laughs> I, I think I excuse him a bit more than that. Like it was so frantic. Not, not that like anyways to deal with that. Yeah, but sorry, but like, sorry, there are mitigating circumstances for why he was so shit. But the reality is, he was fucking yeah. shit. But I was going to say, I, I, I wonder how shit it really was in terms of. I feel like every time he got the ball, there were maybe that's something down to him, but. He was swarmed. There's people all around him. He was always getting the ball in weird, awkward positions. And yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but I, I liked his recovery run. I liked that he cleared the ball off the line twice. I liked when we did start to see him get forward. Then I think that took a bit too long to to see. I know Villa as a whole weren't as honest as you'd maybe like, but yeah, I, I liked his little interplay with with the like of Ramsey. I, I liked those two chances that he had. I know. Yeah, probably could have done better or found another pass. But I thought they were two good moves as well. I could see him cutting cutting up that left wing. Yeah, his, his little interplay with Jacob Ramsey when neither of them gave the right pass at the right time was was okay uh, for <laughs> those two for those two chances that we got. But he had loads of interplay as well where he's just kicking the ball behind the man, kicking the ball out of play, not just flicking it in time, flicking it inside to a Leeds player. And he was swarmed. That was really difficult. A really, really difficult circumstance for someone to come into a country have to play two days later and have to come into a game as well because one of the players get injured. But he didn't handle it well. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, going down as if this is a new one now, but like, I feel like you've already advocated for Moreno to go down. <laughs> but also going down, uh, Emmy Martinez is passing. And I feel like I've been picking on Emmy Martinez. I don't know, maybe it's because he's a World Cup winner now. I feel like I can. I feel like he's an easy target, but. His passing, like it's, it's actually, he's actually a bit like me, and I've always said if I could do what I wanted to do in my head, I would be really good at football. But I can't, you know. I can see a pass, but I can't fucking make it. I can't chip it over two people and run to somebody else's run. You know, and Martin is definitely can't. But he keeps trying, he's trying, and he keeps floating the ball into a Leeds midfielder. I'm really starting to think neither you nor I are going to make it as professional footballers based on the, the conversations we've had during this podcast, Connell. I just don't think it's going to work. It's not going to work out for us. There was, there was actually two best passes that uh, that Emmy Martinez played were actually out to Moreno. And Moreno, to be fair to him, controlled them and brought them down and got the play going again. Yeah, there you but, go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, But yeah, Martinez... That this is why I think Martinez is going to get caught out because he's not as good. He's not as good as his feet as he likes to believe that he is. And even the passes he plays, the cons and mings are often behind them to their yeah. standing foot, to their left foot, or or the right foot, depending on whether you're talking about cons or mings. It, it it's not. I don't know if it's going to work as well as we would all like it to work because of how good he is in goals as well and how good again he was yesterday in goals. Even just coming for that, that cross that he picked oh, out of the yeah. sky. Like he's, he's backtracked so far across his box there to get up for that. It's incredible that he's able to jump from that yeah. that body position, and it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And he, he's so desperate to get. Well, sorry, 
Johnny Neville thought he was so desperate to get the ball up the pitch and he's and he's annoyed that he can't release it. He's not trying to release that. He's running out pretending he's releasing it because he knows that will trick Michael Oliver because we can walk back again and hold the ball and then start again with the release. No way Emmy Martinez was trying to release that ball up the pitch. Well, they were leading. Now, questions we can't answer, but probably will. Do you remember... Man United fans wanted Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer to stay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, Conan, do I have the receipts for all the Man United fans in my life for that one? <laughs> do you want to cash any in yet? Marcus Rashford is, is a big receipt I'd like to cash in. Everybody was after Marcus Rashford, and I just kept saying, you know Marcus Rashford has scored 20 goals a season, twice for Manchester United, from the wing, under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> There is no way Marcus Rashford is a bad... That was all the evidence I needed. It's like, I, I couldn't even have to see him play. You could judge that Marcus Rashford was a good player from his numbers and from who his fucking manager was. This was the, th- this was the thing that guaranteed that Marcus Rashford would be okay in the future. He was scoring goals with Solskjaer as his manager. Like, and this is, this is the really, really infuriating thing about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, about Steven Gerrard. You can tell. You can tell straight away that you can, you know he's going to change it around. He's going to turn it around. We we just have to give him a bit of time. You never have to give a good manager a bit of time. A good manager doesn't need a bit of time. A good manager comes in and he makes changes to the team immediately. He can see what's wrong. He can see what's right. Like John McGinn will tell you, he can tell players to take a fucking touch. He can tell <laughs> players where they should be standing on the pitch. This is the difference between a bad manager and a good manager. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was never going to make it. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was the Manchester United manager because President Kimbepe turned his back on Diogo Dalo coming on to his left foot and having an absolutely preposterous spank from 35 yards out. <laughs> yeah, and they all said, who else is out there? <laughs> but this is the other thing as well the, the point Ralph Rangnick this is the other thing I kept saying Man United have no problem spending money why would they not just take Ten Hag from Ajax yeah. just give them and Ajax 50 million quid <laughs> oh god anyway look this has been a long podcast and uh, as some of your tweets from last week Show not all of you are listening the whole way to the end of the podcast, so um probably should have wrapped this up <laughs> ten minutes ago. <laughs> but thanks again to those who have made it. And um yeah, we'll see we'll see when we see. We'll be on the Villa Twitter account. Not the Villa Twitter account, we won't be taking over the Aston Villa Twitter account. <laughs> imagine that, imagine unleashing you know after what you just said about Alex Moreno. <laughs> this cunt can do better. <laughs> We'll be on the Villa Podcast Twitter account and we're on Instagram as well, the Villa Podcast show. Uh, find us wherever you're wherever you're floating around on social media and uh, do you get in touch with us as well. Um, we're on email. It'll be good to hear from some of you about whatever, really. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of expertise to impart as we've just shown from shitting on ourselves or our own ability over the last hour and a bit. Uh, we're on the Villa Podcast at gmail.com as well. Thanks again for listening and uh, hope you have a good weekend. All the best. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.